Christian Parenting. Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center, no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a faith-based counseling center in Austin, Texas, offering online teletherapy for those that live in Texas but outside the Austin area. If you have questions and would like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, powered by the Christian Parenting Podcast Network, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Doctors Jimmy Myers and Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox, and I'm Josh. Welcome, everybody. I am Jimmy, and we are wrapping up The Four Horsemen. For those of you that may not have been keeping up diligently over the past, I don't know, three, four weeks, we've been talking about The Four Horsemen of the Marriage Apocalypse. Uh, We talked about sex. These are all the things that make you feel warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah. Just the ooey-gooey, lovey parts of the marriage. Yes, and the things that make you want to take um, a paring knife out of the drawer and mm. and go for your spouse. A ball-peen hammer mm-hmm. to the temple. So we started with sex, big, lots of arguments, lots of dissension about that. Uh, we've talked about money. We've talked about kids. And the final uh, of the four horsemen is, of course, the in-laws. And different couples struggle with different things at different levels. Mm -hmm. I think for the most part, everyone, most folks will struggle with these four, but potentially they're not all just horrible. Oh, absolutely. Just from a clinical standpoint, this is what most people are going to have problems with. And the in-laws can be tricky. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, we said this about money and we said this about sex. Uh, Your family of origin is just so personal. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when your spouse has issues and you might struggle to see your family of origins mm-hmm. issues, uh, you can take this very personally. They are very personal, which is what I guess makes them the four horsemen and not the four goatsmen or some lesser animal. The, what are you saying? The four hamstermen. <laughs> so weird. These are big issues. And I think what makes them big issues is because of the personal nature that it's not, you know, mowing the lawn. It is, it's something that really kind of strikes at your core. So again, my experience is the problem lies with in-laws is that for some couples uh, making the switch at the wedding from what is my family to what is now become my family of origin, that can be difficult. Because your entire life, you know, when you talk about your family, you're talking about your family. And then in one instant, that changes. And for some, that's difficult. Uh, For some couples, they have a hard time switching between what has always been my family and what is my family now, starting today. Yeah, and you, you have you, your spouse, your mom... Your dad, your mother-in-law, your father-in-law. I mean, there are so mm-hmm. many different personalities mm-hmm. in trying to make that switch that if just one 
person has a problem with it. It, it can go awry quite quick, quickly. And so it's a, it's a, even if you have like the best boundaries ever, personally, there are five other people in this and it can make it very difficult. Yeah. And, you know, yes, some couples have a hard time making the switch, but also some parents have a hard time starting at the wedding, seeing their role in their child's life being different. You know, we always say that the parenting is this 18 to 20 to however many years of of de-parenting. You know, you go from just really a lot of control when they're little to sort of autonomy. We say that when they're little, you're a, as a parent, you're a hands-on supervisor. When they're a teenager, you're a manager. And then when they leave the house, you become more of a consultant, which is you provide input when asked. And there are quite a few parents that have a hard time making that switch as well. Well, and that's even just the problems that might ensue at the beginning. And then you're talking about 30 years later when maybe your in-laws are moving in with you. And hey it's now. it's even more hey now. Uh, issues that can ensue uh, depending upon the personalities in the room. And there are some folks that don't age gracefully. Um, and so, yes, from the front end to the back end to the middle, in-laws can be hard. And, you know, loyalty is a really good positive thing. That's a great attribute that someone has, especially loyalty to family. But, boy, there is nothing like an in-laws discussion to divide loyalties. Really cramp down on what do you mean by loyalty and loyalty to who and again, this is coming from the, the in-laws side looking down at their child and their child's spouse. And it comes from the couple looking at the spouse's parents. So tons of problems, obviously, yeah. because it's one of the four horsemen. But I mean, and, and let's say you, you as your, your parent, you grow your child, you feed and water them and love them and care for In them. In the way that they should go. And let's say at 25, they choose a spouse that you wouldn't no more had wanted for them, right? Yeah. I mean, that's so tricky yeah. um, from the old geezer's perspective. Uh, so, yes, it, it is. It's a, it's, in-laws is just a field of landmines, and you are lucky to get out without stepping on one. Well, and I was just recently uh, with a couple this it happened to be the 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 husband's mother she was one of those that absolutely she had been the alpha female in this young man's life for 25 plus years and she was not abdicating the throne without a fight uh and just the the clashes that occurred because that was, you know, and it was very much more, you know, on this mother-in-law, or in the case of the, you know, his mother, that she couldn't stop. You know, she felt it was her God-given right to tell them how to parent, uh, blow past boundaries. You know, mom, we're not letting the bait, you know, the whatever, the three-year-old or whatever sleep in, in our beds because we're trying to teach her to stay in her bed first. Boom. In, in bed with grandma. And... Grandma, knowing this, it was just she thought that was stupid. Uh, so disregarding these boundaries. So it can go both ways. And that's why it's important. And we'll talk through solutions. But you're not conceptually like 10,000 foot view. You're not fighting against 
either one of your parents, you're fighting for your marriage. Ooh, preach it. Okay, wait, hands wave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hands wave. Do you want to run the aisle? Sprinkled. Just jump in the baptistry? I do. So 10,000-foot view, the solution is you are trying to get on the same page and fight for the two of you, not against either one Mm -hmm. of your parents. So when your spouse has an issue with your... It's not that they're against your parents. It's that they're trying to fight for your marriage. Absolutely. Um, And that's an important kind of overarching concept. So to quote another very wise Joshua... Choose you this day whom you will serve. And for a newlywed couple, you really need to do that. You need to choose. Uh, At the wedding, I mean, boundaries are redrawn. Definitions uh, are being changed. There is this tectonic shift that takes place that everyone needs to understand. And this is like all the other horsemen, from money to sex to kids. It's just like, ah, well, I'm sure it'll work out. How often do we use the word intentional? We use it all the time. And that's like the one thing in marriages and parenting and in, in, in our spiritual walk that we just figure it's just going to happen. We're just going to wake up and it's, it's, we're just going to know what to do. Everyone's going to be in agreement with what we decide to do, as opposed to talking about it and being intentional about it. So the, the solution is making a choice uh, as to where those boundaries lie, and everyone knows who you choose. The second one is um, to work with your spouse as opposed to being separate on an issue. So we're a team, and we're going to address this issue as a team, and boy, this is what you see a lot. You never put your spouse in a position to choose between you and your spouse's parents. Oh my goodness. Boy, that you want to talk about a losing strategy. That is it. You know, you're my spouse. You have to choose me over your parents. And if and if you don't choose me, you know, I'm going to cause fits and vice versa. Yeah, that's the whole against mentality. Yeah. Conceptually, you're feeling like we're against your parents, but you, right. if you start there, you're in the wrong. Um, it's not against his or her parents. It is for your marriage. And you've got to communicate that way, that I'm fighting for us. Mm-hmm. And I'm not 100% right here. You obviously have a brain as well. And so we need to come to our truth because we're fighting for us. Yep. Good. And one important thing is, you know, what is that? don't sweat the small stuff and it's pretty much all small stuff. It, it really is when it comes to, to in-laws, you really do choose your battles. You don't want to just go to the mat with with everything, but you need to decide what are the hills that are you know sort of worth dying on and stick with those. So you and that's what makes it tough because your in laws might make everything a mountain. Yes, and so you don't have to play that game, but it it can be tough. Even for example, and I remember early on you and I talking about this, you talking about it specifically. You know, whether kids just don't spend, comparatively speaking, I mean, in their families, they the children spend 24-7. Their interaction with their grandparents is relatively small, relatively speaking. Even if you've got grandparents that are really involved and, you know, just keeping them all the time, that still, compared to 24-7, is relatively small. Therefore... 
you know, to let a lot of things slide. Uh, you know, you can't have cereal for breakfast. You know these things. And, you know, and, and it's just like, you know, that child is not going to be morbidly obese over what they eat because they spent the night on a Friday with grandma and grandpa. So just, okay, well, that's what you have. That's what happens over there. That doesn't happen here in our house. From from a, 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 a dad's perspective in having your kids deal with, you know, your parents and Katie's parents, kind of talk to that where you just don't necessarily let the, you wouldn't do it in your house. And we're not talking about big things. It's like, oh, yeah, we just, you know, took the preschoolers and we, we just binge Game of Thrones. Yeah. Not that. Yes, that it's would just, be a mountain. Yeah, there's just, but these these other things that are not that. Uh, they're just things that you wouldn't do at your house. Yeah, what happens at Honey and Aces stays at Honey and Aces. Yeah. Y'all are a lot like Vegas. Mm-hmm. So whether it's more screens than we would like and the food that we wouldn't like, well, I love personally, but I don't love my kids yes. too, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yes, you have to allow your your parents some autonomy. They have been where you are. Mm-hmm. You've never been where you are before. So trust your parents, right? Um, and allow them some autonomy. Um, they are wanting to, and uh, in a lot of ways, having paid their dues, they can be the fun parent as the grandparent. Mm-hmm. And you need to allow Fantastic. that. <laughs> you need to allow that to happen. And I know that that is tough, but you've got to understand that they're not going to turn into murderous addicts by playing too much video games at your. You know, at your parents. And by the way, that that also you see this in the progression of just parenting period. When Ruthie hits adolescence, you know, it's just ah, here ah, adolescent. You know, the teen years are they're coming like a freight train, and everything she does is going to be the first time. And so there's just there's a lot of focus and attention. And by the time Sam rolls around, it's like yeah, yeah, whatever. Because you've seen it, you've done it. You saw you know, Ruthie go through it, you know, and then you saw JJ go through it. And so you kind of learned what really is a big deal and what really is not probably that big of a deal. And so you let more things slide. Well, grandparents are just that times 10. You know, they've they've raised kids through adulthood. They've, you know, they have a much longer view of things for the and we're talking normal grandparents, obviously. And so they don't really sweat it. Yeah. And, things as much. And this is kind of worst case scenario. I mean, best case scenario is you state your boundaries and your parents follow them. Right. And and I we're talking a lot about grandparenting, uh, but this can these rules can apply to really whatever boundary setting you might have. Uh, best case is you state a boundary and they follow it. But this is kind of worst case scenario. You don't want them to. Uh, eat a certain thing, and that's just what they consume at grandma and grandpa's. That might not necessarily be a hill that you die on, unless someone's needs gluten free because sure. they're allergic or whatever. And, and this is was going to be a point at the very end with specifically kids, your kids, and 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 your grandparent and their grandparents. It's somewhat unfair to them to need them, like ask them to watch your kids so you don't have to pay sixty bucks for a babysitter. And then not allow them some autonomy. Hmm. I've even had grandparents come into the counseling office. Uh, they're bringing their grandkids because their parents have to work. And they're like the primary caregiver. And yet they're afforded no autonomy mm-hmm. to make decisions for themselves for their grandkids. And that's very unfair. 
you know, if, if you ask your parents to watch the kids and they graciously do that, afford your parents some autonomy to kind of make decisions as they please in regards to your children. That's not necessarily a hill to die on. Another thing is if, it, and again, to get away from grandparent with kids or whatever, then, you know, you want to, let's say there's a brother-in-law or something that there's a problem with. One of the things of, of you know, open communication is one of the things that'll torpedo codependency. And so instead of, I have a problem with your brother, you need to go talk to him. Well, don't send your spouse to go do your dirty work. You go talk to the brother. In best case, you go together and talk to the brother-in-law. But again, it's not, I'm, I'm puffing up and I've got a problem. You go take care of that. It's your family. You go take care. No, 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 no. We do this together. Yeah. Um, and then also, and this is another thing, don't try to remake yourself into who your in-laws want you to be uh, because your spouse married you, married you for a reason. Uh, and so again, their input's great and we should listen and, you know, there's a grain of truth in all criticism and all that. However, you know, don't go out of your way to just contort yourself like a Chinese gymnast to become who your in-laws want you to be. Yeah, and that, I mean, that goes across the board. Listen to your your parents' suggestion. That's awesome. Whether it's your grandparents or regarding their grandchildren or if they have an issue with your fashion, feel free to listen and, and take advice, but you don't have to heed that advice. Right. You don't have to contort yourself and change. You need to, as a couple, make decisions autonomously with each other. Um, but feel free to listen to opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, but y'all, the the marital, the marriage, that you're trying to find your truth and not necessarily succumb to the truth of somebody else for your marriage. And you always want to, you know, since, you know, Scripture tells us that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, right? So, and I've found this just to be true in marriages or whatever, the most spiritually mature is always the one that is seeking reconciliation, you know, that is seeking the peace. And so you always, in, in no matter what it is that you're going to be talking about with them together, you want to be able to de-escalate, not escalate. And you can talk about things and give your opinions and how it makes you feel and that sort of thing, but you can do it in not a, a finger wagging. You do it maturely and lovingly, and you talk about it and you enforce the boundaries. But you always want to focus on de-escalating, which, of course, is showing empathy. And the big deal is, is okay, treat them the way you want to be, model how you want that. If they got a problem with you, how many spouses, well, if they got a problem, why didn't they tell me that? Well, okay. Then you go and you lovingly and you maturely tell them. And along with empathy, I think assuming the best about Mm -hmm. your in-laws, that they're not vindictively sitting behind, you know, uh, I don't know what do evil people sit behind evil things. Yeah, sitting behind something evil uh, <laughs> and maliciously trying to get at you. Um, they are human beings that uh, like things a certain way and probably have a difficult time communicating that well. And so you need to graciously approach them, probably with a heart of forgiveness. Um, but you want to assume the best uh, that they're not some evil manipulator mm-hmm. um, trying to get at you. And just one last thing very quickly is, and this is just a a practical thing, no matter what's going on 
as, especially once there's children, and not only your children, but other children within the, the overall family, work really, really hard to make special occasions work. You know, instead of it's Christmas Eve and we're all gathered around the hearth, that's probably not the time to bring up whatever problem you have. So for the sake of kids and yeah, if there just, was a if there was a hearth, the first thing you need to do is ask somebody, what is a hearth? What is that doing here? And once, once you've discovered that, then you think to yourself, now is not the time. Correct. So just whatever's going on, you just want to have just a, an armistice, just a, a ceasefire mm. for, for what was it, World War I when mm-hmm. it was Christmas Eve and mm-hmm. they came out of the trenches and mm-hmm. sang carols yep. and then went back to killing each That's other. That's when the Nazis were sitting about behind their evil things. That was World War II. Oh. Not World War II. Oh. But it was Germans. I'm sure they sang in World War II. I'm sure they did. So that's the end of our little show. I looked around for what would be the appropriate song to end the era of Paradox. Oh my gosh, you just announced it. Yeah. I wanted to announce it together. By both of us talking at the same time? Oh. We're not going to go backwards. Okay, good. Yeah, so uh, Dad and I um, have thought through this quite a bit and have come to the conclusion that Paradox is a no more. We're wanting to devote ourselves uh, more to the center here in Austin as it continues to grow. We are finding ourselves stretched more and more. The podcast, where it might have fit in for the past four years, doesn't necessarily fit in anymore. And and a lot lot of people don't know, because we don't necessarily talk about the Timothy Center a ton, but just in the last three years, I guess, we've gone from about four therapists to pushing 30 therapists seeing about 60 to 70 a week to seeing 450 a week. It has just blossomed into something that we did not necessarily sort of envision. Yep. And this was, it was a blast. It was a lot of, you know, a lot of fun. And it was cool to be able to take issues that you feel kind of strongly about and deliver them uh, to a group of people. Yeah, but it was also fun as father and son. Yes. Because I was your straight man. Yes. We would, dad yes. would figure out all of our content. And if you didn't realize, he would talk 80% of the time. And it's forever. <laughs> and so, I just kind of sat and would riff. We would call it riff. Mm-hmm. He would come in with notes for every episode. And mm-hmm. I had no notes. I would show up and come off the cuff. You know, you're probably saying things that are not shocking a lot of people. Yeah. So if I sounded unintelligent, it was because I was never prepared. But it was fun because Dad is, he's called himself a wind-up doll. You just wind him up and let him go. Um, no, I like that in the background. Oh, you did? Could you, yeah, you just keep it going. Got it. I'll wait. Oh, oh that's my oh, enchilada zima song. Just a second. Okay. Okay. Keep you close uh, as always. Thank you. Okay. Uh, no, Dad would... Dad would just talk uh, and say ridiculous, funny things, um, and I would try to keep the audience listening um, by apologizing, communicating that at least one person didn't agree with Dad. That he's senile. Yep. That was one of the interesting things. Yep. Is because 
the roles were a little bit reversed. Yes. In that regard. Yes. You should have been keeping me in line. Yes. Um, where I find myself the keeping millennial. you in line. But it was great. And there's going to be 250 shows. Yeah. That are out there forever. That sit there. Yeah. Um, and when you talk about the people that we interviewed, yeah. that was one of the really nice things about the show as well. Yep. Is how many people you just, because how do you get to talk to these people? Yep. And, and it was so, so it was crazy that they talked to us. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was like, I don't think they understand. No. We have like four people listening. Yeah. yeah. We, and we're two of them. <laughs> we did grow it to more than four. Yes, we did. Um, but yeah, it was funny that people would spend time with us uh, and share uh, their lives with us for 20 minutes just by having a podcast. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't have talked to us otherwise. Exactly. And people that would write in. Yes. Um, that was awesome. The reviews and things. And the, the one guy that, that email said. Email us thanking. Yeah. yeah. It, what was he said? Yeah, I was. Uh, when I'm plowing the fields up in the tractor, I'm listening. Well, and that was the the crazy thing. Even as we've been the past month or so thinking about ending the show, I would have four to five people a week, people I knew, but they would come up and oh, I'm listening. I love the show. And that was that was probably the most difficult part of deciding to end the show um, was just the people that we knew that were listening, yes. that were getting help from it. Yes. So that was probably the most difficult part. And I loved... Because we we didn't have a quarter million downloads. No. Um, Maybe over the four years. <laughs> and yet, some people that would listen, you know, because they're listening to you and they kind of put you in the category of media. And Josh and I would also travel and speak uh, at churches. And <laughs> we were down near Houston and this this young girl, young mother, probably in her 20s, came up to Josh and said, you go, oh, she just said, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I'm meeting you in person. <laughs> oh, you sweet thing. <laughs> if you knew how unimportant Josh was. <laughs> or we were. You want to talk about B celebrities. We're like Y celebrities. Z. Yeah. But it was a blast. Yes. Um, so we are signing off for the last time. Uh, potentially, if like CBS or ABC calls. Yes. We would hop back on yes. and do something. Um, but outside of national news agencies. Yep. Um, or if like Joe Rogan called. Yeah, we'd do that. We would probably do that mm -hmm. with him. Um, we Outside of those things, we're signing off for the last time. And make sure, again, 250 shows. Yeah. Uh, they're sitting on our website. We want to thank the, the Christian Parenting Podcast oh Network. Oh, my gosh. They have been fantastic. Yes. Uh, and they, I mean, outside of Paradox, right, they produce fantastic content. Mm -hmm. They have written content. They have a, a handful, if not up to 10 uh, podcasts uh, that they produce. Um, and so they have really, really good content that y'all continue. They're not going anywhere uh, that you guys continue to check out. All right. Appreciate it, Josh. We appreciate you guys for listening and hope you have a good New Year's in a couple of days. Exactly. All right. Bye. For more information about the voice of the Paradox Podcast, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show and find the archive of all our past shows, go to paradoxpodcast.com. <laughs> <laughs>